Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I uh, tweeted the other day, and this is the most fundamental way that I can explain inflation to myself. It's when you go to the gas station on the way to the grocery store and you don't fill up at either place. So in the last year, gasoline prices have gone up 33% in this country, and they're still rising. As I mentioned yesterday, I paid $1.76.9 per liter for me. And uh, on other energy fronts, in Germany, gas shortages are such a concern, the Germans are virtually pleading with Putin in Russia to increase gas exports, and Putin seems to be tying that into building a new pipeline, constructing a new pipeline across the Baltic Sea. Where do we stand on energy? Where do we stand on gasoline prices? Where are we headed? Dan McTague joins us on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. He's the founder of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Dan, thank you for the time. Energy is becoming significantly less affordable, and there are concerns about what's going to happen or what may happen as far as energy prices are concerned, for Canadians this winter? This is not going to be a very pleasant winter, uh, Roy. And, of course, if people are upset at prices now, not just for gasoline and, of course, diesel and uh, what appears now to be the first tranche of increases for natural gas and propane, they're obviously going to be very upset when we actually start to get colder weather uh, as, a, as, a, uh, as a routine going forward across Canada. And, of course... When you look at uh, year-over-year increases, that may be one thing, but the fact that the world is not able to respond to the restoration of demand for all of these products, uh, I think it's a very it sets uh, the future up for a very expensive and very frightening outcome. Most importantly, uh, could we yet see another doubling of energy costs? Uh, in other words, if you spent a thousand dollars last year for to keep yourself warm, will it be two thousand this year? Uh, if it uh, if you spent four thousand dollars last year on fuel to get to work and to uh, for other things, will it be eight thousand this year? Mm-hmm. All of these things are inflationary, and of course we've seen those numbers uh, as your guest yesterday had uh, quite eloquently spoke to. Uh, Canada's six major banks, and we'll be speaking with the vice president of RBC later about their two trillion dollar report, transition report. Canada's six major banks have joined Mark Carney, the UN special envoy, on climate. Uh, in directing investment away from fossil fuels and into renewables. I want more information on that. Yet at the same time, Joe Biden is urging OPEC to increase its oil production in order to counter the dramatically rising price of gasoline and diesel, all of which the consumer will pay for directly at the pump or when purchasing goods delivered by ships, train, aircraft, and most of all trucks. And in addition to that, the International Energy Agency Uh, earlier this year stated that by 2060 or 2050 or 2060, I'm not sure which one it is, but the world will still be using 75 million barrels of oil a day. We have lots of that. We should be selling it internationally. Well, this is the grand uh, scheme that uh, so many have signed up for and jumped on board with. Um, And our banks uh, and and insurance companies have done the same. I think it's more because they've been goaded into doing this they 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 think they're going to miss the wave or be shamed or uh you know uh repudiated if they don't jump on board but what they're really doing and and coming from the royal bank of canada i have worked media relations for them many many years ago well, you have the chair of that bank saying to the governor of the bank of canada this inflation thing is not transitory 
This is going to. This is far more serious. Jean Chrétien just a few hours ago opined on the same thing. The inflation and the amount of uh, deficit spending is reaching alarming proportions. Dan, yesterday, Dan, yesterday we had a hedge fund CEO tell us they managed four point five billion dollars. Tell us that same thing. This inflationary trend, yeah. it's not transitory. It's not transitory, but it's deliberate. If we want to force up the cost of an important pivotal, pivotal commodity like natural gas and oil, see the withdrawal of billions of dollars in the Canadian economy, and then have the banks say, we're not going to fund this, this is the problem that got us into this. I mean, whether it's the, uh, you refer to the International Energy Agency or Joe Biden, these guys talk from both sides of their mouths. They're saying, on the one hand, stop fossil fuels. On the other hand, oh, please, OPEC, make more. The fact is, we're not at the point where we can make that transition. Uh, unreliable energy, renewables are not there yet. They can't displace the importance of fossil fuels like oil and gas. And well, so let, me, let me just jump on you, that point. Yeah. Europe is experiencing a dramatic energy dearth. Wind farms, I was reading the other day, wind farms have underperformed, and Russia is being virtually begged by Germany to increase its gas exports, as I said a few minutes ago. Putin says Russia will, of course, oblige, but under his breath then I'm sure he's saying, don't interfere with our plans for a pipeline under the Baltic Sea to Germany. Yeah, and of course that brings in the whole geopolitical issue of Ukraine. Are we basically going to go to countries that have a terrible track record on, on rights, as well as uh, countries that uh, geopolitically represent a, a real danger to our freedoms or way of life, because we're too distracted uh, by trinkets like uh, you know windmills and, and, and solar energy. They're wonderful thoughts, but what happens when you don't have enough light? What happens when you don't have wind? We've put our eggs in one basket, and I, I really caution the Canadian banks, because I'm coming after you. Make no mistake, if you're going to go and throttle something that is our number one economic engine in this world, because it's trendy and it's cute and a bunch of folks are getting together uh, to sit back, uh, you know, Perrier and uh, eat canapes in Glasgow, I suggest maybe you go up the street, maybe down to Britain, and figure out just how bad it is, where not only have they had to re- start up their coal plants, they've actually had to beg the rest of the world for more natural gas. Otherwise, they will literally freeze over the next several months. So, folks, it's really time, I think, for leaders and opinion leaders and others to get real. Uh, we have aspirational goals. That's great. But let's not draw these lines in the sand, and let's stop doing untold damage uh, to the oil and gas sector in this country. I think it's pretty clear what uh, the Alberta government was able to demonstrate this week to the Allen report, that there has been a multi-billion dollar use of charities, foundations, which have no interest in poverty uh, being used uh, because there is no scrutiny, there is no legislation, there is no regulation, using the money to basically throttle jobs and capital from this country. And I think that's uh, that's a shame. We're all going to pay for it this year, Roy. And look, yeah. well, uh, $200 a barrel isn't far away. Neither is $2 a liter. Well, um, 2016, Mr. Trudeau said at a town hall, it's time to phase out the oil sands. He tried to retract that, at least somewhat, but it slipped out, and uh, that's his intent. Now, look, Dan, I'm not against windmill energy. I'm not against solar energy. I'm not against an improved energy electrical grid. But what's the cost, and what happens in the interim? What happens to Canadians between then, between now and then? And the time between now and then, the time between 2021 and 2050, isn't very long. And we have, we have, a, uh, we have an unsteady, I won't say unstable, an unsteady federal political reality, and we live in an unstable world. <laughs> if, we're putting our, if we're putting our eggs... If the United States, not we, if the United States is putting its eggs in the OPEC basket, good luck. Well, 
they had 13 million barrels of oil produced every day. They're only at 11.3 million barrels. So they now have to backfill that with Canadian oil. Sorry, they block pipelines, as of Canadians, by the way. So they're relying now more and more on Russians. Look, the laws of physics and thermodynamics do not allow us to, you know, to say, hey, yeah, fossil fuels can simply be whipped away. And for politicians not to recognize that shows a significant amount of uh, being out of touch, I think, with the reality. But look, it's not something I have to argue. It's not something you and I have to discuss, as we've done many times in the past, Roy. This is going to become self-evident this winter. This will be the winter of, the, of, of our discontent. And if politicians are too busy trying to be uh, woke and cool, at the same time, consumers are, are being hammered in this country and our economy uh, well, fails to respond. We're in Dan, big trouble. And so are they. Dan, my example, you're going to the grocery store, but you go to the gas station first and you can't fill up at either. God, yes. Right? Yes. You can't afford Roy it. To, to rebates. It's called inflation. To energy rebates. I've and don't you remember, you yeah. remember in the early 80s, 18% interest rates. I had an email from a listener yesterday saying that in 1981, she bought a truck and the interest rate the bank quoted her was 24.5%. August of 1981, I was working with the housing minister in Ottawa when people were walking to our constituency office, throwing their keys at us, saying, you're the ones responsible for this. Do Canadians really not realize? Perhaps they don't. We've taken... You know, 15, 20, 30 years of good economic performance uh, that has caused a lot of people to think, well, maybe we're bored. We should ought to look at these things. But again, I come to our banks. Don't join in the chorus and the parade. You're going to disappoint a lot of people. And wait till those mortgages come due. Because if we start looking at higher interest rates as a response to the government not being able to fulfill its obligations, people are out of work, can't afford, it's only a matter of time before that domino falls and we get that stagflation. And I worked for the Royal Bank in 84, dealing with the leftovers of, uh, of years and generations of high interest rates. It's not something we want to go back to, Roy, but it's right in front of us and we need to really collectively wake up. So let's talk about gasoline for a moment. 33% increase in the last year. Uh, and, you know, when you, when you fill up, what I did this morning as I was driving, I looked at uh, the, mile, the miles, kilometers I've been driving. I looked at how many liters per 100 kilometers my car gets. It's all, you know, displayed on the dashboard. And I was doing the calculations, and I thought, okay, to get from here to there cost me 30 bucks. To get from here to there cost me 20 bucks. To get from here to there is another 25 bucks. I'm over $150 and I've hard, hardly gone anywhere. So... What's happening with the price of gasoline? Why is it up 33%? Is it, is it international forces that we have nothing to do with, can't control? Is it gouging by oil companies? And is it more expensive to refine premium gasoline than it is to refine regular gas? Uh, there's a lot there. But I would say the three things is, first of all, recognize that uh, Canada's unwillingness to produce enough oil, along with a lot of other countries around the world, has left the country, uh, has left the world with a shortage. It doesn't really matter how big or how small the recovery in terms of demand is uh, a shortage is a shortage. And so if you're producing a lot less oil than you have at any point in the past and you can't get the capital, compliments of uh, move by Mark Carney's of this world and their so-called ESG, the Environment, Social and Governance Mandates, followed now apparently by the six banks in Canada, which I think is uh, tragic and it is uh, short-sighted. But beyond that, uh, that's the main reason why oil has gone from $45 a barrel to $84, $85 a barrel for WTI. Then you have the second factor, which is a weak Canadian dollar. And the banks need to understand this as well as their economists. In the past, when we saw $85 oil, we also saw the Canadian dollar trade at par with the U.S. greenback. So that's no longer happening because we're not selling enough oil. And we don't have the infrastructure to sell the rest of the world to the oil to the rest of the world that desperately needs it. So that means everything, Roy. Everything we purchase 
which is denominated in U.S. dollars, whether it's made here or not, uh, is uh, we've lost our purchasing power. We've lost our mojo, if you will. Uh, the third and final thing, carbon taxes and other regulatory factors have also contributed mightily to the cost of fuel. Uh, when we last saw these prices, uh, you know, breaking records across the country, an average of $1.48 per litre, we've never been there before, uh, you know, we uh, we saw taxes in most jurisdictions were substantially less. And we start, of course, with a 10 cent a litre carbon tax. That means here in eastern Canada, uh, you know, 8.84 cents a litre plus GST or HST, I should say. So that's about 10 cents a litre. And that, too, is contributing mightily uh, between the dollar, shortage in oil, deliberately caused by green initiatives. And, of course, uh, these taxes, that's why we're paying an extra 30 cents a litre. What about the refining? I need an answer to this. Does it cost more to refine a liter of premium gas than regular gas? Uh, it uh, About nine cents a liter is what the difference is of the wholesale. Probably about five to six cents because there's different products used in different forms of distillation. Uh, the bottom line is alkalites versus, uh, uh, um, versus uh, uh, products like butane. Uh, there's a lot of difference that goes into the production of both. And uh, it just depends on the kind of distillery you have. Mm-hmm. What we are looking at, though, is a lot of gas stations are making money selling regular gasoline. Their money's being made selling premium. Why? Right. Well, I know every day it's, it's no more than 10 cents a liter for the gas stations, and so they're getting 32, which means they're making right. 20 cents a liter. Right. I got it. So do you see, final question for you, do you see yep. us in a situation where, given the world as we understand it today and projecting as much as we possibly can, again, understanding what we understand today, do you see us getting to a point by 2050 or 2060 where renewables will um, be able to provide energy that we require to live our lives and do so at a manageable cost? No, I don't. Uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, I have not seen an invention that can do that yet. We can talk about these things in the context of, you know, little programs and things, but we know that, re, you know, renewables have, are, have not and cannot displace, unless we're talking nuclear, unless we're talking electrification, which should be not $2 trillion, as uh, Mr. Stackhouse and others would suggest, but several trillions of dollars uh, and in a cold country. Uh, you'd probably be looking at a circumstance where, unless it's nuclear or small forms of nuclear, I don't see this uh, as, as any way possible. In fact, it takes a lot more energy. Uh, including fossil fuels, to build an electric vehicle than it does to build a, a, a conventional internal combustion engine, which uses a lot less fuel. It's not an advocacy for one or the other, but there was a time and a place where I worked uh, for the largest uh, manufacturer in the world, Toyota Canada, Toyota Lexus. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. And so for that reason, uh, I think electric vehicles are a long way off. I just don't see uh, the law of physics being able to permit uh, the existing menu of renewable energies to displace the energy needs of the world, which are growing, not diminishing. I want to say one more thing to you. Sure. Comparing a billion to a trillion, okay? Because Elon Musk could be the world's first trillionaire, we found out. (laughs) Here's a little statistic for you. A billion dollar, uh, a billion dollar bills laid, I'm reading somebody else's writing, a billion dollar bills laid end to end would stretch 96,900 miles, winding around the earth nearly four times. A trillion dollars laid in the same manner would stretch for 96,906,656 miles, a distance farther than the sun. That's how much money Elon Musk is going to have. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. 
I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.